0: Today. Thanks so much for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. And I just want to also give it up for our God behind bars, guys. We love you. Appreciate you being a part of our services today, too. We're talking about the hardest job you will ever have today being a parent. I want to tell you, I love my kids. They're awesome, but I also have to always apply the number one scripture of parenting. I always say it, Thou shalt not kill. And so, What do you do, right, when you're like, I love my kids, but they're driving me crazy? And so how do you deal with that, right? Let's talk about that today. So pull out your notes, if you would. I want to tell you, I'm not talking to you as some kind of expert today. I'm talking to you as a fellow struggler. I'm struggling to become a good parent every single day. And I've got a a child in college now, and I've got uh, two uh, teenagers as well in the home. And so it's crazy in my house. And so we're dealing with this all the time. And sometimes they just don't obey me. Sometimes they just act like their mother. I don't know what I can do about that. (laughs) No, but the truth is, though, right, it's a challenge with kids, right? I I love our kids, but but I will tell you that I find myself before God going, Lord, I don't know what to do about this. I need your help. I feel ill-equipped most of the time as a father. And I think that's pretty normal to feel that way as a parent. So I just want to encourage you today to know that God is with you. He is partnering with you as you raise your kids. And we also want to partner with you in that process too. Pull out your notes if you would today. I want to give you four simple principles on how you can handle your kids that won't drive you crazy, but instead you can actually influence them to become great adults honoring God with their lives. Keep in mind, the Bible doesn't say that they're always going to honor God. It says if you raise him the right way, in the end, they will come back to it. So sometimes our kids, uh, you know, go off, veer off of the track that they should be on, but you got to trust that the Lord will bring them back. Heard about this single guy. He was talking with a friend of his who was a single mom. And they were talking, and she was just talking about the stresses of of raising children and then trying to do it alone. You know, it was a really tough job. And he just kind of said, you know, off the cuff, he goes, you know, it can't be that bad. I mean, you're making like this huge deal. I mean, they're just kids. How hard can this be? And she says, you have no idea. It's so stressful, It's so crazy. And he said, you know what? I'll tell you what I want to do. Let me come by, and I'll watch your kids tonight. And you can go out and have a good time with your friends, go shopping, go to the mall, do whatever you want. But I got the kids. She's like, you do that? He's like, oh, yeah, it's No problem. And so she says, I don't know if you know what you're getting into. He said, it's not that big. They're kids. It can't be that hard. I got this. So so he comes over. And sure enough, she goes out. She's like, thank you so much. I'll be back in a few hours. And so she goes out, goes shopping, whatever, you know. And so he just plops down on the couch, turns on the television with the remote, starts watching TV while the kids are kind of playing around him. And about 30 minutes in, he's he's having a hard time hearing the TV show. And he says, hey, y'all go upstairs and play. So all the kids run upstairs and play he's watching TV. When they get loud, he goes over the edge of the stairs, doesn't even go up to check on him, just yells up, hey, you guys quiet down. Goes and sits back down, watches TV some more. After about an hour, he starts starts a little later. He, he goes to the edge of the stairs again, doesn't go and check on him, just says, hey, you guys go to bed. Goes and pops back down on TV, turns on TV again. He's like, this is so easy. I mean, you know, it's no big deal, you know. About 30 minutes in, one of the kids starts to come downstairs. He says, ah, 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 back up. I told you it's bedtime. Kid goes back up, watching TV. About 20 minutes later, Kid starts to sneak back down and says, I already told you once, get back up there. Goes back up. About an hour after that, there's a knock at the door. He goes to the door and the neighbor shows up and says, hi, my name is Mrs. Brown. I wanted to see if, if Johnny was still over here. And he goes, what are you talking about? Kid comes down and goes, I'm sorry, mom. He won't let me go home. I've tried <laughs> twice. I would tell you that as a man, we're a bit clueless. All right, so I just want to tell you in the front end that my best parenting day is three notches below my wife's worst parenting day. I'm just telling you right now, honestly, like she knows on any given moment, you can say it's Tuesday, 2 p.m. She knows where all the kids are. Mason's here, Cole's there, Sophie's there. This is what they should be doing. They've already had lunch at this time. This is what they're, this is what they're wearing. She knows all that stuff. I vaguely am aware that multiple young people live in my home. That's about it. <laughs> she knows exactly what's going on in the world, even given moment. I just know that there's midgets running around my house. That's all I know. But, so I, I talked to you today, honestly, my wife should be delivering this sermon. I mean, she's way better of, of a parent than I am, but I, I'm struggling not to be that aloof dad, you know, who just sits around and, you know, she'd like say, the kids are doing this, you need to get on there about that. And then, you know, I, somewhere in the middle of that, go, turn to turn and go, I'm sorry, were you talking? What did you say? You know, she's like, were you listening to anything I said? You know, I'm like, what? You know, and so I have to force myself to, 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 to engage because like a lot of men, I come home tired, worn out, just kind of plop down, like, you know, but I have to realize, my kids need me to be involved. They need me to plug in and to be there for them. So I want to give you four simple principles today that are, that are not complicated. In fact, the, the power of what I'm going to tell you next is that it's simple. You don't have to be a parenting expert. You don't have to be a super nanny to do this stuff. And so let's talk about Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, all day we'll be in this scripture. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Moses is towards the end of his career, towards the end of his life, actually, the people of God are about to enter the promised land. And he says, I, I have like a big final speech I want to give you. Like this is like the big one, right? He, w- he wants to address all of Israel. This is like over a million people probably. I mean, this is a massive amount of people. Some scholars have the three or four million. Some people say as little as 800,000. But any way you cut it, this is a serious message he's bringing to a lot of people. And so he says, I want to talk to all of Israel. Now, involved in the crowd there are parents and children, but there are other people too. But look what he says that gives us incredible insight in how to raise the next generation. Look what he says. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. How many of you guys feel like you always have to repeat yourself to your kids? Apparently that's built in. He says, repeat it again and again. I feel like I'm a broken record with my kids, telling them the same thing again and again. Anyone else feel this way? Am I the only parent that understands this? I mean, I feel like I'm like the rapper's extended remix, you know, take out the garbage. Wick can we, can, we can take out the garbage. we wicca, can take out the garbage. I'm like, how many times do I have to say this? You know, so anybody understand what I'm talking about? I'm like, this is incredible. This is why violence happens in people's homes. I'm just telling you right now. Never in our home, as far as you know. Anyways... <laughs> It says, repeat them again and again to your children. It says, talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. It says, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. So it says, look, your faith, your belief in God, repeat it to your kids over and over and over again. Because I want to tell you something, your kids didn't get it the first time. I guarantee you that. They didn't get it. Have you ever felt like your kids aren't listening to you? You feel that way? Am I the only one that feels this way? Come on, someone help me out here. Do you want to feel like your kids aren't listening to you? I totally get that, right? And I finally realized my kids aren't listening to me. I can confirm this. Because they're too busy watching us to listen to us. They're watching how we live. They're watching how we treat each other. They're watching how we respond and how we react. They really are. They're watching us more than they're listening to us. And I just want to encourage you with this. Number one, would you write this down? You cannot transfer a real faith in God to your kids that you do not have. The number one thing your kids need to see from you is your faith, not hear from you about your faith. All three of my kids are believers. They all have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You've not done that. By the end of the service, I believe we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. That's what it means to become a Christian, to accept Christ and what he's done for you at the cross. And so because he died for our sins, rose again... We believe in him. He forgives us of our sins, reserves a place for us in heaven, gives us purpose here on earth, forgives us of all the things we've done that we're embarrassed or ashamed of. That's what salvation is all about. All three of my kids have done that. I don't have to instill faith in them to make sure they are Christians. They're already believers. But what they need is they need to learn to walk with the Lord. And so once they become a Christian, the way that they learn to walk in the Lord is not by giving them beliefs. We believe this. We believe that. That's really not what they need. What they need is they need to see their mom and dad actually living out their faith. And so for me, the number one question I oftentimes ask them is I don't typically ask them, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? I don't normally ask those things. What I do say is this. I'll say, what's the last thing God told you? What's the last thing he communicated to you? like, I'm just curious, what are you learning right now? What's Jesus been doing in your heart lately? And most of the time, like your kids, my kids are like, I don't know, right? I'm like, what's God telling you? you are like, I don't know. You know, one, one time one of my kids said, Dad, God doesn't talk to me like that. Like, he talks to you a lot more than he talks to me. I said, I don't think that's true. It may just be that you're not listening as much, but he's talking to you. And so every once in a while, I just want you to know, this happens in my home. Every once in a while, I'll say, hey, when, when's the last time God talked to you? Oh, he hadn't talked to me in months. I'm like, well, first of all, he has. You're just not listening for months, right? I'll say, well, when's the last time God talked to you? Did he tell you something in the youth group? So they'll come home from Wednesday night. Hey, what did God tell you? I don't know. You know, was the message good? Oh, it was good. Well, what was it about? I don't know. I'm like, it was so good you don't know. I don't understand, right? So I'll ask him, you know, like, tell me what you learned, this kind of thing. And, and, and if, they, if I get a blank stare too long, I say, all right, go get your Bible. Oh, dad, they start rolling their eyes. Come on, dad. And I'm like, go get your Bible. I want you to go spend a little time with God. 10 minutes, 10 minutes with God, right? I don't have any time. Oh, you don't have time. I understand. Give me your phone right now. Oh, no, no, I have time. I have time. I'm like, that's what I thought. See, they have time. They just have the wrong priorities in their time, right? Which sounds a lot like some adults I know, right? And so I'm like, so get out your Bible. And they're like, well, what do you want me to read? I'm like, anything, anything anywhere between Genesis 1 and the maps, I'm good with. <laughs> just read whatever you want. They're like, anything, anything you, want. Just, you, you want. I don't know what, go to Proverbs, read the Proverbs, great. You get something there's this practical, you know, go to the book of Mark. You know, I love the book of Mark. It's like the ESPN highlights of Jesus. You know, I love that. Jesus is born 12 years later. Now he's in the temple. Wow. We just skipped 12 years. That's amazing. Right. And so it's like the highlight. Right. And so, but just get into the word of God. And so I say, go read something, pray, and I'll be back. And they're like, all right. They probably only do it because I'm going to come back. Right. And I go back and I go, now what did God tell you? And you know what? Almost every time they're like, well, I read this and I got something from that. Oh, wow, so God did talk to you. Yeah, he talked to me. There it is. See, the word of God returns without void. It always, it always delivers. You can always count on it. You say, are you telling me you force your kids to read the word? Well, do you force your kids to brush your teeth? Or are you going to wait for them to brush your teeth when they have no teeth left? <laughs> so they're not going to just one day as a 10-year-old go, I want to read the word of God. That's not going to happen. <laughs> so I say, go get the word of God. Read the Bible. Open the Bible. And I get a translation they can understand. I highly recommend that, you know. And don't give them the King James Version Bible that was passed down from your grandmama because they're not going to understand a word that that says. (laughs) So give them a translation they understand. I like the New Living Translation. NIV is good. They even make what's called the ICV, the International Children's Version. It's written at the fourth grade level. You can't miss the point. Have them read that. I read that sometimes. It's really good. (laughs) I get the point. And have them get the word of God and then say, now what did God tell you? Just, what do he teach you? He said, well, you just did it because you're in a pastor or something. No, I, I, my, my mom and dad would ask me when I grew up. My mom and dad were not, were not ministers in the church. They were just good church people. They loved the Lord. Took me to church every single weekend. But they weren't pastors. I learned it from my parents. The person who discipled me was, was my mom and my dad. They're the ones who instilled faith in me. They did. And on top of that, because of their faith, my sister, my older sister, she's five years old. she always told me when I was younger, I'm five years older than you. Now I remind her, you're five years older than me. <laughs> I always tell her that now. Anyways, the point is, is that I got to watch her as a teenager really put God first in her life. And so I had three amazing examples in my home of how to walk with God. And so I learned about real faith by watching my parents live it out in their lives, watching my sister live it out in her life. And so I I had an example of that. Guys, you have the greatest influence on your kids. You really do. I know you don't think you have much influence, but you do. Think about your favorite sports team right now. Just whatever that team is, right? I'm a big Texans fan. You guys know that. Please pray for me. It's not easy. But the struggle's real. So, but guess what? Guess what my kids are fans of? They're fans of Houston sports teams. Why? Because I passed down my burden to them, right? I mean, it's true. Whatever your teams are, right? You probably got that from your parents. And your kids. Follow the teams you follow. Why? That should tell you that you influence them. They chose what you chose. So before you say, I don't have influence on my kids. Yes, you do. Your kids are Cowboy fans because you're a Cowboy fan. Your kids are Steeler fans because you're a Steeler fan. Shame on you. What are you thinking? But anyways, (laughs) the point is is that they're they're influenced by, by you. They really are. You're the greatest influence on your kids. And so when your faith is real, their faith will be real. When your faith is fake, their faith will be fake. If your faith is real, their faith is real. When's the last time God told you to change something about you? That's what discipleship really looks like. It's not just knowledge, it's not just information. It's, it's saying, Lord, change me from the inside out. I want to be different. I want to be more like Christ. And when you're doing that, your kids will pick up on that from you as well. It goes on in verse 4. It says this, The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. That sounds like some cities we live in, right? Large, prosperous, nice cities. It says, the houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig. You will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill of this land, be careful, underline this, not to forget the Lord. Be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Moses is saying, hey man, when we've been out in the desert, it's easy to pray to God every day. You're like, Lord, I'm hot and miserable and hungry. That'll make you pray, that'll make you remember the Lord. But when you go into a land, when you're eating food, you didn't have to, you didn't have to plant those plants to get food from it. You know, let me ask you something about your kids. If you have teenagers, are they driving a car that they didn't pay for? Are they eating food they didn't pay for? Are they wearing clothes they didn't buy? Right? They're wearing shoes they didn't buy. You see the problem here? They're, they got a cell phone they didn't buy. They're certainly willing to break it, but they did not willing to pay for it. Right? You know what I'm talking about? In other words, everything they have is given to them. And here's the problem, when everything you have is handed to you, why do you need God? It's just easy to not need God and just to entertain yourself to death. And so we have kids that have everything handed to them. I don't include my own kids in this. Why do they need the Lord? Where's the struggle for them to need God? My parents' generation was much more spiritual than my generation. Why? They grew up in the Depression, World War II. Trust me, when they prayed, they had something to pray about. Our prayer is now, oh, Lord, help me get more likes on Facebook. What? I'm sorry. What do you? That's our prayer? I don't understand, right? I mean, the bottom line is, is that kids are handed everything. What I'm trying to tell you is we have a distracted generation. They're just caught up with, with, with the world, and it's more and more distracted every generation. We're distracted as adults, let alone our children. So what is this teaching? This is what Moses is saying. He says, you're going to come into a really nice city and have all the things you've ever wanted, don't let that distract you from the God who gave it to you. That's what Moses is saying. Number two, would you write this down? Limit distractions that compete for the heart of you and your children. Now listen, let me, t- let me talk about media and social media for just a second, okay? I don't have all this figured out, but I want to talk just briefly about it. Because I need to let you in on something. If you're young, if you've got a 10-year-old, 8, 9, 10-year-old that has a phone, if you've got, which I, I don't recommend that, by the way, If you've got a 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old that has a phone, let me let you know something right now in case you don't know this. If you haven't inspected lately, I need to let you know. It is way worse than you think. I just need to let you in on this if you don't know this about social media with your kids. Who they're following is jacked up. I'm telling you, all the little 12 and 13-year-old girls are following Kylie Jenner, who is regularly sleeping with rappers as an 18-year-old girl. I mean, that is probably not going well in their personal life. I hate to break it to you. And there's no amount of fame or money that can cover that up. Media is, our kids are drowning in the media. They're watching this stuff online. I'm gonna let my kids go see Fifty Shades of Grey. No worries, I already saw it on YouTube. If you didn't block it, guys are seeing this stuff all day long. In Fifty Shades of Grey and Fifty Shades Darker and all this kind of junk, if you take away the billions of dollars that character had, it's a Criminal Minds episode in a trailer. (laughs) It's crazy what they're talking about and making that normal. It's not normal. It's jacked up weird. But it becomes normal if you drown your mind in a bunch of crap all day long. Guys, we need to think about what our kids are watching, what they have access to, let alone as adults. Guys, I can't handle an unfiltered access to the internet and TV and cable. Can we just admit as adults we shouldn't be seeing a lot of this stuff? Let alone our children? Does that make sense, guys? So I just want to encourage you. I'm actually backing off of this. I am now at the point that I don't think a smartphone is wise for a junior hire. I don't. I'm all about that flip phone, baby. I really, I, 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 we've taken our daughter's phone, and I'm good with it. I know she's not a fan of that. She probably doesn't like this message at all. But I will tell you this, you got to control the media. And you may not need to change out their phone, but you need to watch what they're watching. And as they get older and this whole stuff with Snapchat and Instagram and all that, guys, if you guys this, that every kid is trying to look sexy at age 14, 15, 16, 17, it's like, guys, this is jacked up, let alone adults, Right? You're like, wow, grandma, look at your picture on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> kind of getting awkward here, right? The point I'm trying to say is that the exposure, we ne- listen, even my generation, we never had the kind of exposure the kids have today. We had exposure, but the exposure now, guys, they're drowning in it. And so listen, social media is like LeBron James. You can't stop it, you can just try to contain it. So you're not going to totally control all social media for your kids, but you need parents, I'm going to say something that's going to be radical and your kid's are going to hate me for it, but I will say it and stand by it anyways even when they send me hate mail. Here's the truth. You need every password to your kid's phone and social media accounts. Every passcode. And you should be checking it regularly. If you're not checking it regularly, you are in denial. If they won't give you the passcode, you need to smile and say, why? (laughs) What can I not see? Guys, it's a problem. I'm telling you right now, it's out of control. And, and the media's out of control, guys. We've we got to control what they're, what they're looking at. We just have to be careful. And, and I'm, I'm telling you this as a fellow struggler. I've seen stuff I shouldn't see. I've watched TV programs, and at the end of it, I'm like, man, I feel like I need to go ask for Jesus to come back in my heart again. What was I watching? <laughs> you ever felt that way? Just major network stuff. We're not even talking about HBO or Cinemax, Skinemax, or any of the other ones. We're not talking about that. <laughs> I'm just talking about regular programming is like, wow, this is jacked up stuff. So guys, we need to learn to control it as much as we can. I know we can't completely control it, but we've got to compete for their heart and try to limit as much as possible. When you're having family time, if you have to take the phone away, say, put the phone down. We need to have you, you, your undivided attention on, on us as a family, not always on the phone. It, it's a big deal. And by the way, you know why I know it's hard for them? Because I have to be told by my own wife, put your phone down. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Thank you. Let's just admit as adults, we get, we get swept up in it too, don't we? It's easy to do that. So we've got to learn to control that. Limit the distractions that compete for the heart of you as well as your children. It's a really big deal that we control that as much as we possibly can. So I would go as long as you can before you put a phone in your kid's hand. And then I would go as long as you can before you give them all access. And I know, you know at some point, I mean, my son's off of college. Obviously, he, he can do whatever he wants. I can't, I'm not there. You know, I'm not going to try to control a college student, right? But I believe he had enough access. We got to watch him and show him some things to where now I think he has a, a more of a sense of control because we did give him some access that required some trust so we could talk about it along the way. Does that make sense? So parents, we need to be having these discussions with our kids about what they're seeing, what they're watching. You see something weird on their phone, don't just ignore it. Don't turn your head, talk about it. You need to ask about that. And say, hey, let me look at your phone for a second. You know, and and don't be afraid of random inspection. Just grab their phone. Let me see what's going on right now. No, 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 don't touch it. Don't you touch that screen. Don't you close out. Let me see what you're looking at. And take a look and see what's going on. And so it's a big deal that we do that. So we need to limit the distractions because they they are living in a distracted world. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. I want to go back to the very beginning of this verse. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God. So there's parents and children in, in the audience, but there's also aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and brothers in laws and mothers in laws and everybody else. And there's teachers and coaches, they're all in the same crowd, all of Israel. He says, listen, oh, Israel. Apparently, part of raising your kids is thinking about the community that you put them in. Who are you putting your kids around? So I want to teach you a trick that, listen, this is an amazing parent life hack I want to give you right now. Here it is. Number three, widen the circle of positive influences pouring into your children for the day that they are influenced more by others. And by the way, it's coming. There's going to be a day that your kids are influenced, even if it's just a short season, more by their friends than by you. This is why I want to tell you something that may really surprise you, but you should be doing this. You should be doing everything you can to choose their friends for them. You say, Pastor, how can I do that? Oh, it's real simple. It's not complicated at all. This is just number one parenting right here. So my, my kids have all kinds of friends all across the spectrum, right? There's friends that I know they're up to no good. There's friends that I think they're up to no good. There's friends that I, that I think are up to pretty good, and th- kids that I know they're up to good, right? Don't you have the, all that spectrum? So when my kids would say to me, hey, Dad, can I go hang out with so-and-so? I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, nah, not going to happen. Sorry. Oh, come on, we're just going to go to, yeah, not real crazy. But can I go hang out with this person? Yeah, all you want. There's the always yes friends. Hang out with them anytime you want, right? Then there's the friends that's almost always No. Right? I can't be completely biased and just say no all the time unless I know they're up to no good. i might like, no, you know why. Right? But then there's those kids you kind of have a gut feeling about. You know what I'm talking about where you're like, I can't put my finger on it, but I don't like it. You, you might know the one I'm talking about? So front, please don't point across the audience. There may be in here. <laughs> but no, but we, we have that, right? And so here's what I would do with Mason. right? I, it's easy to kind of talk about him because he's, he's off the of college now. But I'll, I'll tell you this about Mason. There was a season when he went off the rails. Now, now the good news for us is that off the rails was not sex, drugs, and rock and roll off the rails, but it was just like not wanting to listen to his dad kind of stuff, talking back to his mom, that kind of stuff, you know? So here's the problem with raising leaders is that they're leaders, and so they want to lead you when you're trying to lead them. That's the the problem with raising leaders, right? But the good news is, of course, when they're older, they don't just listen to anyone that talks to them and tells them to do the the wrong stuff. This is a great thing about raising leaders is that they're willing to look at their friends and go, no, I'm not going to do that. That's stupid, right? The problem is they'll also look at you and say that, right? The problem is, no, Dad, I that. that's stupid. Right? And that's when you're like, okay, hold on. No, that, you, you, you can say it to them. You're not going to say it to me, right? So there was a season when Mason just thought I was stupid, like, Dad, all your rules are this and that, and you're just so harsh, and I don't know why you're so authoritarian, you know, that kind of thing, right? But here was the good news. When he went off the rails, and it wasn't very long, but when he did, he went to complain about me to his friends. And here's the great thing about early on picking those friends for him. He was complaining to his best buddy, D.Q., his name is DeQuayle. DeQuayle's now on our staff, by the way. DeQuayle, this is when he was in college. Mason was, he's a little older than Mason. Mason was in high school. And so he was complaining to a guy that I happen to know what he's going to say. And, and he's like, just hearing him out. And he's like, all right, yeah, I get it. Okay, yeah, I get it. And he goes, Mason, your dad's not stupid. So then he uses his influence to steer him right back to the Lord, the number one thing. And of course, he realized that dad's not stupid. So here's the thing. Early on, Put your kids in children's church. Let their friends be friends they make at church. Then put your kids in student ministry. Let their friends be who they hang out with in students. Because if they'll do that, then when they do go off the rails and they go talk to their friends more about you than listening to you, at least you know the friends have a much higher percentage chance of honoring God since they met them at church. Does that make sense? And so they're going to eventually have a third voice that's not mom and dad. Make sure that third voice is honoring the Lord. And I'm so grateful for DeQuaylen because he really helped Mason. And here's what's really fun. Now Mason is at college student now, and he's had other people come to him kind of off the rails. And now he's been the one to say, you know what? No, I'm sorry. I'm not, I am hear you. Go ahead and bend it all, but you need to honor God. So now he's been the one who's been a DeQuaylen for someone else. It's really neat to see it. Now he's steering his friends back to the Lord. And he's not perfect. He's still a kid. Our kids are still kids. But when they go off the rails, The rails aren't that far because they're surrounded by other good influences. Does that make sense, guys? So how do I do that? Here's how you do it. You always say yes to the right kids, always. So I hear these parents, well, my kid's in trouble, so he can't go to Christian camp this summer. I'm like, are you smoking crack? (laughs) That's the one thing they should go to. If you're going to can something, can cheerleader camp. Don't can student camp. Are you nuts? That's where they're going to experience God in a fresh new way. Well, Camp's expensive. You know what? Don't give me this whole expensive stuff when your kids are wearing $130 tennis shoes every day. Don't tell me you can't afford camp and have a boat in your front yard. It's about priorities, guys. And if you can't afford it and start paying for it now, it's not till June. You can have that bad boy paid off. The bottom line is that we need to go. You know why? i me to tell you why. When kids go to youth group, they're there for one hour. If they go every single week all year long, right, with a few misses here and there, because you don't always have it, then they're going to get maybe 48 hours a year of God. You get that in the first two days of camp. Your kids are getting immersed in the world every day with a cell phone. Now they're getting immersed in God for an entire week. Camp changed my life. can change your kid's life too. I was saved at camp. I I really came my life to God at camp, I was called to ministry at camp. If it wasn't for camp, I wouldn't be pastoring this church. Let me tell you something right now. When you invest in putting your kids in the right place with the right kids, you have a massive higher chance. It's not perfect, and your kids still can make choices. But you are putting them in an environment where to swim against the flow is harder to do when everyone's trying to honor God. Put them in the right environment. It is a game Changing environment. It really will change your life. Widen their circle. Put them around the right people. In fact, right now, on your notes, just list off three or four friends that you really like. That you're like, man, I just like this kid. I want, I want my kid around them. Just list off their names. And I would even go to your kids and say, hey, you know so-and-so? You can do whatever you want with them. Whatever you want. You want to go hang out with them? Go hang with that, hang out with them. I'm fine with that. I would even say, I'll give you a couple free passes. When you're mad at me and I ground you, I'll give you a day off from grounding if it's with them. Really? Yeah. Because why are they grounded? Because they're in trouble. So at least you know the influence is going to be good, right? So you can get your get out of jail card for a couple hours if you're with them. What I'm trying to say is get them around the right influence. It is a game changer. Last part of the scripture. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 says this. And you must love the Lord your God with all your what? Say it. Heart. Underline that, would you? All your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Now, let's skip over to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 20. He says, In the future, your children will ask you, What is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? Do your kids question your commands? Anyone in here? Why? Why do I have to be home by midnight? <laughs> Anyone else understand this, right? Hey, take out the garbage. <sighs> right? And I always talk about the rope that the kids have tied behind their back, on their head. Do you know about that rope? You're like, take out the garbage. And they go... <clears throat> I don't want to do that. Right? It's, just, it's amazing. I don't know what it is, but when I say, do this or do that, I don't want to, Right? And it's like this weight pulls our head. It's amazing how that works every time. And so you say, do this or do that. We're going to go to church. I don't want to go to church. Right? Come on, you got to go do this, and you got to go do your homework. And then these weights are added to your kids' feet. All of a sudden, they're like, I can't. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? Does your, does your children have the same bodily issues? It's amazing how that works. It's like cement suddenly hits their feet and I don't want to go. You know what I'm saying? Nothing I've done has been made up today. This is reality, right? With kids, this is how they are. But this is important. This, this is a big deal. Please write this down. You miss everything I say today. Don't miss this one. Here it is, number four. Fight for your child's heart. How many right now would have to say, Pastor, honestly, I'm fighting with my child every day? I understand that. So here's what I've had to learn to do. And I've had to learn this. I'm not, I, I'm not good at this. I came from a home where my dad said it and it was a law. That's how it operated in my house. And, and, and that's great for some kids, not every kid's like that. So I've learned as my kids get older, I realize that I'm not gonna be able to just say, this is the way it's gonna be because I'm your dad, get over it, right? And that really works great at 10. It doesn't work as good at 15, 16, 17. So I've had to learn to do, say, here's the rule. Oh, I don't like that rule, dad, it's so lame, and blah, blah, blah. And none of my friends had that. Hey, you need to be home by midnight. My friends can stay out all night. I'm like, well, then your friends are parented by morons. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, if you have a friend that's, that, that's okay with that, that's crazy you're not going to be out all night. And I tell, I tell them what my dad told me, and it's really true. Nothing good happens past midnight. And that's really true. And the reason I know that is because when I did stupid stuff, it was past midnight. <laughs> right? So let's just admit what we did. So let's just say, hey, this, this is the reason why. And so it's true. When you give rules to your kids, you got to tell them the why now. Here's why. Because I'm going to kill you. That's why. <laughs> you need to do this. I will kill you. I will hide your body. They won't find out. You'll be dead. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I would never say that. <laughs> okay, so the thing I want you to know is this. This is important to understand this about, about parenting, especially as your kids get older. Explain the why, but part of the why, I want you to see something that Moses says here. He says, In the future, your kids will ask why. But look, says, Then you must tell them, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with his strong hand. And he goes into all the wonders that God did. So this is why you guys say, here's why I want you to do this. And then when your kids say, why? Why did you they be home by midnight? You can say, honestly, because when I was your age and I wasn't, I got in trouble. What? what? You mean, Dad, you were like a teenager once? <laughs> They're shocked. They're like, my mom was like a girl? They can't believe it. And you explain to them, yeah, I don't want you out that late because that's when stuff happens. And this and And that. How do you know about love, sex, and dating? I don't know how my kids think they got here. I don't know how they think that happened. (laughs) And I understand they want to block that from their mind because I don't want to think about my parents either. I think there's me and my sister. They just did it twice. I'm good with that. That's 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 it. (laughs) But the reality is this: when it comes to your kids, is that you have to explain to them. Look, the reason why we have these rules and regulations as a family is because we used to be slaves. And now we're free. And I don't want you to be enslaved by the same things that your mom and your dad did. Oh, I can't tell them that stuff. They probably already know. He'd break to you because <laughs> your kids, they see all the time. They probably have a little more insight to what you did anyways. So I would just come straight with it and be like, you know what? I was really stupid at 16. I did this and I did that. And the reason it happens is because, and just tell them the truth, because my mom and dad didn't check up on me, so I'm checking up on you. Because my mom and my dad didn't look what I was looking at on television late at night. And so I want to see what you're doing. In fact, I don't want you to have a TE late at night. I don't want to be on. Why? Because I know it's on. Because I looked. Oh my gosh, you're like a human? This is crazy. (laughs) So here's what I've learned to do with my kids. Admit I'm not perfect on the front end. And say, the reason we guard you from what you watch is because I guard what I watch. The reason we want you to not talk back is because, you know, when I talked back, it went bad. The reason I want you to learn to do what we ask is because you're gonna have a boss that's gonna ask you to do things, and if you don't do it fast, you won't have a job. So I'm trying to raise you by giving you reasons too. But this is a big deal. When they're fighting you, that's the time to go after their heart. I'm gonna tell you something kind of personal. My son Cole and I got into it the other day, and uh, and he he's a great kid. He really is. We got into it, and uh, and I I just dropped the bomb on him. I gave him some pretty hard rules. I was like, this this and that. and I said, phone keys. Boom! Took both, right? And of course, that's just straight up torture to a kid, right? I was like, "Give me your car keys, give me your phone." The phones, I think, even worse than the car keys now. It's amazing to me, but they literally would rather have their phone and walk. I mean, it's amazing. I'm like, okay. So, so I just took both. I took both. I was like, no, your dog just shut it down. Like, you're not going anywhere. You're not doing this. I'm just all the rules. Boom, came crashing down. And probably where I would draw the hard line would be different than where you draw the hard line. He's not partying. He's never done drugs. He's not messing around with girls. I mean, he's a, he really is a good young man. But it doesn't mean I still don't have some hard lines. I was like, no. And so I just was like, boom, I dropped the bomb on him. You know, nuclear, you don't get anything, right? I'll, you know, I'll slide food underneath the door. There you go. That's it. (laughs) And so, so I laid the rules free heart and he was really upset with me. I mean, he was mad, angry, you know, and he's doing the whole withhold love thing. Do your kids do that? Like, I love you. (laughs) what I'm talking about. I'm like, oh, here we go, right? And so he's really into working out. So I'm dropping him off at school because he didn't have a car. So I pull up, drop him off at school. And on the way there, it's total silence in the car. I'm like hey, Cole, how was your morning? He's like, it's fine. <laughs> hey, Cole. Yeah. I'm like, hey, um, we're driving, and I know he wants to work out that afternoon. I said, hey, I'm going to pick you up. I'll be here at Ford, blah, blah, And I said, hey, I know you're going to work out this afternoon. And I was like, so I want to ask you something. He's like, what? <laughs> I said, Cole. And I humbled myself because I want to just go, this is what it's going to be, blah, blah, blah. But I realized that that doesn't work with him. So I said, hey, Cole. I want to ask you something you're probably not going to like. And he's like, okay, what? I said, is it okay with you if I come work out with you today? Dad, I'm so mad at you. I don't want to see you. I don't work And I was like, I know you're mad. Will you let your father work out with you? Dad. And I said, Cole, let me tell you why. I don't want one day when you're 20 something, talking to your friends to say, yeah, I haven't talked to my dad in five years. We're estranged. I will not let that happen. I will fight for our relationship. So you can be mad at me, but will you just open your heart this much and let me go work out with you? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the gym that afternoon, and I'm not gonna lie, it wasn't like this wonderful time, it wasn't like I was on one side of the gym, and down there, we're running to each other like, Hello. no, not like that at all. That's not how it went. We walk in the gym, he's five feet in front of me, Oh, where are you going? Where are you, you know. <laughs> and we work out together. But about midway through the workout, guess what? We're talking. Hey, Dad, I want to do shoulders today. And, this and this. Okay, what are you going to do? I'm going to do this. Okay, well, I'm going to do a little less weight because you're young. And so, you know, <laughs> so we're going through that and we just work out together. And, guys, what I'm trying to say is this. The number one thing you can't let happen is no more communication between you and your kids. You're going to get it wrong, and when you get it wrong, tell them you're wrong. And even when they don't admit they're wrong... The relationship is actually more important than even being right. Does that make sense? It's hard. Oh, it's hard. But it's the right thing to do. You got to fight for your kid's heart. I've been reading this book. It's really a great book. It's called Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. I highly recommend it. I'll say it again Parenting Beyond Your Capacity by Reggie Joyner and a guy named Carrie Nywolf. It's hard to pronounce. The book has blown my mind, and, and in that book, he talks about the scripture. A lot of what I'm t- telling you, it's not coming so smart, it's from, it's from a lot of that book. But something really blew my mind, in fact, it even frustrated. When my wife read it, she goes, this makes me literally angry, but I know it's right. And she said, in the book, they argue that it's more important in teenage years, not for you to trust your kids, but for your kids to trust you. Which is really frustrating, I'm like, what? They, need to tr- what? That's re- they should always trust me. I can't believe- but think about this. Can God trust us? No. We're terrible. We always sin. Oh, I blew it again, God. Sorry. I mean, it's like every day. So can God really just trust us? To go- no. So what's God really fighting for? For us to trust him. This may shock you, but what your kids really need from you is consistent love and a consistent relationship. And here's what's crazy, even though everything in me just wants to say, I'm your dad, you do because, that's not why he's going to do it. But if he knows I love him, if he knows I love her, if I connect with him, then eventually the trust and the love they have because of the relationship, they say, you know what, I don't want to do that because I don't want to disappoint my dad. I don't want to hurt my mom. And the love will keep them on the right track more than the rules. Rules are important. But rules without relationship, you will not have your child's heart. Fight for their heart. Stay connected to them. Maybe today may be a tough day for you, but maybe today you go home and not just drop bombs of rules on them. Maybe today you go and you say, new rule. The new rule is we hang out because I love you. And I want to know you and I want you to know me. Some of your kids are going to be shocked. They're going to be like, I don't want to hang out. <laughs> it's okay. Do it anyways, and eventually they'll connect with you. Your child's heart needs you. What your kids need more than your stuff is you. They don't need more toys. They don't need more clothes or shoes or phones or stuff. They need us in relationship. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We just take a moment to pray across all of our campuses today. I will tell you that I didn't always get it right. I still get it wrong a lot. When we dropped off Mason at at college, sorry, look up here real quick. I'm sorry, I missed the whole order up. it's okay, look up here. Look up here. Okay. (laughs) When we dropped Mason off at college, I'm crying my eyes out. I I hate even talking about it because it just brings it all back, but we dropped him off at Liberty University. It's like 20 hours away from here, so there's no seeing him really, except for the breaks. And so mom and I dropped him off. I was Bawling, she's bawling, and we're just like, man. I mean, it's whatever. Parents, if you're anticipating that day coming, like, oh, it's gonna be so horrible. It is. It's gonna be worse than you think. Let me just tell you right now. (laughs) So I'm crying, and I, I said, Mason, you know, I love you, I'm proud of you, and you know, we just, we just talked, and, and you realize you're like, this is kind of it, like this is it. We, you know, we've raised him, he's going off to college, and so I remember he was crying a little bit too, and he said, hey, mom and dad, and we'd never heard this before, ever from his mouth. He just said, I'll never forget. He just said. He said, thanks for raising me right. And I thought, I can't believe it was worth that. Just hearing him say that he still makes mistakes. He's not perfect. But parents, when you don't think you're getting through your kids, you are. They love you. They need you. And they're grateful that you're in their life. Even when they seem mad at you. They want you there. You're making a difference, parents. Don't think you're not. You are making a difference. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe your prayer today is to say, God, I don't don't know you, and I'm trying to instill faith in my kids, and I don't know you. And your prayer today can be to know the Lord. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and me. He paid the price for our sins and rose again. You can receive him right now by praying this prayer. We're going to pray it out loud together. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin, and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, then Christ is coming to your life. But I just want to take a moment to pray for the parents today who are, are struggling right now. With every head bowed across all campuses. If today you honestly were saying, Pastor, I'm struggling with my relationship with my kids. I love them, but they're driving me crazy. And I feel like I'm driving them crazy. And I just feel like I'm at an impasse. I need help. I need Jesus to intervene in my kid's life. He's a good kid. She's a good kid, but I I still feel like I need help. If that's you today, would you slip your hand up right now? Wow, hands going up all across our campuses. Praise God. We're all in this together, guys. That's the power of the church. Make this your prayer. Say, God, I just need your help. I need you to intervene with my child because it's crazy for me to think this, Lord, but I realize you actually love them more than I do. They're on loan from you. So help me, Lord, to raise them the way you want me to. Thank you, God, for my kid. Thank you, God, for my children. Help me, Father, to be in their life and to be an impact and to connect with them. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you for families. Thank you for our children. Thank you for the honor it is to follow your word. Thank you, God, that we're in this together, all of us, raising children, the next generation to make an impact. In your name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.